sorry I'm late. I was dealing with a minor hum that I was listening to on this uh, when I was setting up everything. I will try to be uh, as on time as possible when I do these podcasts, but uh, you know, sometimes you know shit just happens. Turned out it's a uh, bad cable. It's uh, there was one built into this little mic stand that I bought, and it's been working fine forever. But this fucking thing, man, it just I don't know. It just decided it wanted to start humming on me, so I was like, well, fuck it. So anyway, let's play catch up. So, one of the first things I was doing was I'm going to talk about. I got my uh, my new job. I've been there for about two weeks, and honestly, this job's fucking easy. I, I, I'm really fucking shocked about that, because normally, you know, you go into a new job, you know, you see a company, and you're like, oh, I'll join, and, you know, I'll go in, and I'll be super nervous, and make sure that, you know, I, I you know, the ideas that I'm bringing there just are, you know, going to line up with what they're doing, and... These guys, they've been nothing but, like, super nice to me, taking care of me, giving me a couple of bucks here and there, you know, on and on and on. Then they turn around, and they go, hey, man, you know, show us some of the things you've been working on. And, I, and they didn't even give me, like, a direction. They just said, hey, check us out and give us your recommendation. So I saw it, and I was like, all right, cool. Let me go ahead and give my recommendation. Gave them all my technical recommendations, and they were just super impressed. This is wonderful. This is great. This is going to save us so much time and energy and money. Wonderful. Love it, love it, love it. And so, I'm like, all right, this is, you know, things are going pretty well so far. In fact, my uh, first real check, because I got a half a check, uh, my first real check is supposed to be here on Tuesday. And if it's as much as I think it is, oh boy, it's going to be, it's going to be a big chunk of change. So, <clears throat> on to that, speaking of which, my, uh, a couple of my old coworkers have reached out to me like, hey dude, we, we got to meet up for, for drinks, man. You know, I got to know what the fuck is going on. And I'm going to tell them, like, listen, you guys are you guys are great people. I like it. I even like the owners of the company. My God, man, it was turning into a fucking episode of Office Space, man. Just meeting, meeting, meeting. You listen to these motherfuckers just go on and wax poetically about just some leadership bullshit concept. You know, I mean, I had my old boss literally have a weekly two-hour meeting and hand me leadership books and say, here, I want you to read this by X amount of date. And I'm like, looking at it, I'm like, motherfucker, this ain't the third grade. Why am I doing goddamn book reports? This is bullshit, you know? So, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, a lot of my, come to find out, a lot of my coworkers are having that kind of uh, feeling as well. They're like, listen, this used to be a plucky little company, and everybody knew everybody, and everybody was super cool, and all that kind of jazz. It's, it's not that way anymore, so think uh, big changes are coming their way you know and I'm pretty sure a lot of you are have like that out there you know you're at a job you know you, 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 you're doing what you can you know maybe you suck it up you know because you got a family to support you got mouths to feed you got babies on the way you know what have you well you know at least if you're any kind of you know fucking adult you know I, I've seen some pieces of shit in my life you know where the boss decides they're gonna chew their ass sometimes for a legit reason and then they turn around and they go ugh I don't like this anymore. This is bullshit. And they leave. And it's like, motherfucker, you got you got fucking babies, man. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, it just I, I, the level of thoughtlessness just astounds me sometimes. So, yeah. In fact, uh, right now, tomorrow, I'm meeting with a former coworker of mine, and he and I are gonna have a sit down, chitty chat, and we'll talk about a couple of things. Got a couple of irons in the fire in, ter- in terms of like investments, things like that. And he was super you know interested in that and he ended up i think he ended up buying like a like a duplex or some shit like that 
So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and catch up and all that. He's a super nice guy. I should probably have him on the podcast here. Uh, I'll, I'll ask him tomorrow. So tonight I'm actually by myself. Um, asshole uh, has been doing pretty well for us. He's been he's been a great guest. Um, but I got a couple of people in the pipe uh, that I'm going to get uh, on the show. I was going to have somebody on tonight, but they canceled on me on the last minute. So I was like, all right, fine. So I've got... Uh, Let's see here. I've got uh, the lady that I had on just a couple of shows ago. She's uh, expressed interest in it. I've got a uh, former guest uh, who had the uh, um, the uh, bachelorette size uh, amount of alcohol. Um, he's going to be coming back here in a couple of weeks. Um, and I got a pretty good idea that an old, old, old friend of mine um, is wanting to come on. Uh, and I haven't talked about him much if at all on the show um he and i he's one of those friends that like you see him once every couple of years super nice guy you catch dinner you you bullshit with him you know you do anything for him uh but you just don't see him now he's lives you know another side of the country and you know i he's probably listening to this right now and brother you know if you want to come on you come on you know i'd love to you know have you on and kick up a couple of uh fun stories you know from iraq and you know just you know fun adventures and things like that but uh yeah he uh um, i haven't seen him face to face in about eight or ten years you know we talk on the phone from time to time but uh yeah i, I think he'd be a guest that you'd all enjoy so one thing i uh i did end up doing before this show was i was looking at the clock it's 9:30 at night. I'm like, oh, I gotta get a show going. Had a couple of topics on 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 tap, and uh, one of them was one of my favorite shows, uh, the first 48. There's a new episode out, and I was like, well, I probably better get on the the podcast before I watch this show. <clears throat> For those of you that don't know, the first 48 is a um, true uh, show where they follow around real homicide detectives and what they do. Uh, during the course of a homicide investigation for the first 48 hours. And they've kind of fell into like a real, you know, predictable kind of thing. Um, you know, shots fired, somebody's doing something dumb, blah, blah, blah. Um, and nine times out of ten, they'll they'll catch the guy. Occasionally they'll have somebody who doesn't. Um, but me and, uh, me and a family member, we're always teasing because they always start out the same way. They're like, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they have that long, dramatic pause in there. And it's usually, I'd say probably 80% of the time, they go, you know, uh, you know, Jamal uh, was an aspiring rapper. Uh, he's 20 years old. He leaves behind seven children. And you're going, Jesus Christ, you couldn't hit any more fucking stereotypes if you wanted to. Um, and then at the very end, they, they show this poor prick's... Um, you know, family who's clearly distraught that their family member's been murdered, which, you know, anybody would be. And then they release the balloons up in the sky and all that kind of jazz. A um, little bit on the cliched side. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those fun shows that you just kind of watch and you just go, Jesus Christ, you know, some of the shit that's out there. You know, you see guys who, you know, from all aspects of life who, you know, that maybe they got into something they weren't supposed to, maybe they saw something they weren't supposed to, maybe, you know, burglary gone wrong, whatever. Um, they've had some pretty colorful characters on there in terms of both cop and criminal, you know. 
Um, the one that, that kind of stands out for me and my family member is uh, this lady named uh, uh, Summer Benton, and she's down in Atlanta. And, you know, when you first saw her, you know, she was young and spry, and, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, you know, take on the world. And you were like, wow, this girl really knows what the fuck she's doing. And this girl would just get a hold of just a nugget of truth and rip it apart and never let go. And she was really, really good at her job. Um, but then they went over from Atlanta over to Tulsa, and that's where they've been for the past couple of years. And uh, that's something that uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't really understand. You know, when you think homicide detective, you don't think, you know, or you do think, you think, uh, you know, some grizzled old dude, you know, drinking down coffee and cigarettes and all that kind of jazz, you know, in a shitty button-up shirt with a tie. You don't think of, like, you know, a young 35-year-old woman who's, you know, if you didn't know any better, you'd, you know, think about walking up to her and asking her out, you know. But um, women really are some of the best people when it comes to certain professions. Um, you know, seamstress. <laughs> but seriously, some of the, the, you know, if there's a job and it has to do with relationships and how people interact with one another and the thought process on them, chances are women are better at it than men. And more importantly, they're also in a position where um, they can see things that a man may not necessarily do it. Um, perfect example is the CIA, uh, especially uh, counterterrorism. There's a lot of women in those positions. Why? Because it's all about relationships. It's all about finding out, hey, this guy goes to see this guy. Okay, cool. Well, then they have those little relationships, and they watch those, and they can kind of piece together things, and then they can make it. Th they can put together a whole scenario of what really is going on there, um, and, and and are scary accurate. I mean, you know, you think about it in your own personal life. You know, your your old lady comes by, and you know, she sees something out of the ordinary. You know, she's gonna say something. Hey, what the fuck's going on over here? Uh, uh, it's because she notices. She pays attention to that fucking relationship that you two have. And if she sees something different, she's going to ask questions. Right or wrong. Doesn't, you know, may not necessarily be doing anything wrong, but, you know, she's going to she's gonna see that and kind of go, hmm, all right. Oh, uh, man. <sighs> I cannot tell you, though, how freeing it is to be away from that, that old job. You know, to have the... The knowledge that I'm not going into the uh, you know another fucking pointless meeting just to deal with fucking people you just kind of just secretly loathe the kind of people you just look at and go you know if we were anywhere else I would punch you in the mouth you know I don't know it's just one of those things that you just kind of you just kind of think man you know I, I I'm so glad I made that decision you know in fact part of me when I put in my resignation, my first thought was, oh, God, did I make the right decision? Did I just fuck my family out of, you know, a living? Did I fuck my family out of everything? You know, and it was, it was a pretty scary time, you know. But when I finally talked to the boss and said, hey, man, need to put in the resignation, he was like, oh, okay, cool. And my body just went, <sighs> and it was just so freeing it was, it was just nice and anyway it was just a random thought that I had so <clears throat> I had a meeting a legit meeting 
with the comedy club people. We were talking about that here last week and week before and had a meeting with the uh, current owners of the company and they were really forthcoming and they told me the pros and the cons and they told me you know what to expect and you know where they're at now and where they expect to be and blah 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 and I think I'm gonna go for it um, I think I'm going to you know kind of make a shift here in how I invest my money you know I mean I'm I'm in a spot right now where you know the 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 way that I've been doing investments has done pretty well for me and it's done so well for me that I think that I can afford to make a, a slight shift. Now let me, let me explain why. Let's say you buy a house, you put $20,000 down, you, you're making two, three hundred bucks a month, right? Until you, um, until you raise the rent or you cut expenses, that's what you're gonna make, period. You're gonna make 200 bucks a month forever. Whereas with a comedy club, or any business really, raise the rents, sell more product, cut more costs, things like that, it's really the sky really is the limit. And that's kind of the attraction there. There's, there's two pieces of attraction there. The first piece of attraction is I've been a stand up comic since I was a kid. Love stand up comedy love everything about it. I've got the business acumen. I think that I can make it work. Additionally, additionally, the the overall ability for me to to run a business successfully has been proven. You know, I'm able to run my rentals. I'm able to run, you know, my the back end portion of it. I'm able to run all these other, you know, little things here and there. And one of the things that caught my eye about it was if I get this comedy club back to where it was in 2019, which is really close. They're, they're estimating right now that they'll be at full capacity by you know, roughly August. <clears throat> I'll be at, I'll be pulling in as much money as my current full-time job does, meaning I no longer have to have a full-time job. Now, don't get me wrong, running a club it's work. It's, it's definite work. But having the knowledge that I could get fired tomorrow and have it not affect me in the least is really freeing. And one of the things that I noticed at this place, <coughs> well, let me, let me back up here for a minute. One of the first things that I was thinking was, I'm gonna have to pay for this, right? I need more than $100,000 as a down payment, right? And that $100,000 I was going to get from selling a couple of my rentals. And as I was talking to the broker guy, he said, oh, hey, man, you know, if you do an SBA loan, which is Small Business Administration, if you do this loan, you'll be able to get away with 10% down. And I'm like, get the ever-living fuck out of here. Are you serious? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking, I can get into this for half of that? Oh, my God. This is a yeah, fuck yeah, I'm totally down for this, right? So, I'm only going to have to come out of pocket roughly $60,000. You know, with closing costs and things like that, maybe $70,000, right? $70,000, I can raise. And this is something that I've, I never in a million years thought I would be at. I never thought in a million years that I would be in a position where I would say, I need $70,000. 
oh, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and do X, Y, and Z, and we can have $70,000. Quite literally, five years ago, if you told me I needed $10,000, I'd have said, oh, my God, okay, well, if I borrow some money from this person and borrow some money from this person and, you know, sell some blood, you know, maybe I can make it work. It's not the case anymore. You know, now I'm in a position where, you know, I'm looking at properties and I'm looking at businesses and I'm looking at all these things thinking, I can afford these things. This is the fucking American dream. This is wonderful. This is what people were talking about. And to be fair, all of my friends know this. Everybody who's listening to this, you know, who are generally friends of family, to be fair, I've got listeners all around the world now, which I'm so, so proud of. Thank you very much, listeners around the world. You guys are great. Um, but... They all know I started from absolute nothing. About roughly 30 years ago, asshole came up um, and picked me up. Because um, I, I, kind of, I was moving back down uh, from the Seattle area, moving back down to move home. Everything I owned fit in one quarter of his pickup truck bed. That's it. I had clothes. I had a small room fan I think I had a stereo and that was about it and from that I've built into what I have now um, so for people who say the American dream is dead not true it is not even remotely true this is one of the greatest countries on earth if you want to make something of yourself however you have to make it happen. You cannot sit around and just expect the government to just give you something. You can't wait around and expect the boss to give you something, to give you a raise, to give you... No, you have to make it happen on your own. So anyways, so I was looking at this comedy club, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I think I can make this happen. So I got to call in to my bank guy. He's going to go ahead and take a peek at it, and he's going to basically give me a yay or nay. If he decides that it's going to be a yay, one of the first things I want to do is I want to have a meeting with all of the employees because one of the first things that I want to do is I want to make sure that they are taken care of. Uh, what do I mean by that? You know, For those of you that have been a part of a company that's been sold before, your first natural thought is, oh my God, am I going to have a job? These people will have a job, no question. Um, unless there's a guy who's just a complete asshole who's, you know, on the verge of being fired already, everybody's going to keep their jobs. One of, the, one of the main things I try to make sure of is that anybody who works for me, it's always win, win, win. You work your ass off for me. You do right by me. You make sure that, you know, we're as profitable as can be. I'll throw a couple of bucks in your pocket extra on top of what I'm paying you. You know, Christmas time rolls around. We're doing great. Hey, you know, here's a couple of bucks for you. You know, go get your kid something nice. You know, take your old lady out. You know, do whatever you got to do, right? So there was that. Then um, the additional thing that I was looking at was they actually have a Wednesday show for two bucks. And I was looking at this going, wow, two bucks. That is dirt fucking cheap, you know? All right, great. And I looked at their pricing and I looked at a couple other things. And they average roughly 30 bucks a show, right? Um, when it's all said and done, right? In ticket sales. And if I were to raise that from 30 bucks to say 32.50, that's going to put an extra $25,000 a year in my pocket. So quite literally, raising it up two and a half bucks 
you're going to put another $2,000 a month in my pocket. And to be fair, if you're buying a ticket for 30 bucks, I mean, if you're going from 30 bucks to 32.50, probably not going to notice it all that much. You know, people might even chalk it up to COVID. Oh, you know, they need to make, you know, their money back, you know, what have you. You know, that's not to say that it's necessarily going to happen, but it's something to kind of keep in mind. And the other thing I learned about all in this entire experience was how fucking much markup there is in certain things. Now, we all know that alcohol at a bar is marked up, right? It's overpriced, right? I learned that markup, typical markup in a bar is 700%. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. So when they go out and they buy some booze for a dollar, they will sell that to you for $7. That $7 drink costs them literally a dollar. Immaterials. Don't get me wrong. Immaterials. I'm not talking about also paying for the bartender, also paying for the building, you know, things like that. But I just was utterly shocked by that. Like, holy shit. This particular place apparently is is actually low, but they're at seven times the amount of money. I'm like, oh my fucking God. No wonder bars are you know, able to stay open with, you know, not being completely packed. So, anyway, I just wanted to kind of let you all know that, yeah, that's probably going to happen. I, uh, I'm i going to make a phone call here on Monday. We're going to talk to some people. We're going to see if, indeed, this can go. And if it can go, then, you know, it's basically game on at that point, you know. And if it does, one of the things I was also debating on doing was, you know, there's a lot of young comics out there who just got their fucking teeth kicked in with COVID. And um, his name escapes me at the moment, and I'm, I'm apologize for that. The, the comedian who was on here a little while ago, jo- uh, I think his name, last name was Johannesson. Brian, jo- Brian Johannesson, something like that. Brian Johannesson and Brian Johnson. I, I'm getting your name wrong. I, I greatly apologize. Um, you know, he's a perfect example. Young comic, starting out, getting his feet wet, really wanted to, you know, kind of do something with everything with his comedy career and they you know they have open mics and things like that but I was thinking you know why don't we host podcasts for them you know in the Portland area that I'm at there are some places that instead of a live comedy show they'll take like a, a fairly famous podcast they'll set it up on stage and they'll charge admission and I'm looking at it like, are you fucking kidding me? You're charging for people to watch a podcast? That's that's a great idea. You know what? All right, great. Let's go ahead and have that. Let's have the podcast. You know, we can even make it the Comedy Club's podcast, and we're going to have a special guest. Hey, come on out and come see the show tonight, blah, blah, blah. Let's have a YouTube channel. Let's have a Facebook channel. You know, what do we have that we need, and what do we not have that we need? You know, Um so things like that, I think, will be really, really helpful for us in the long term. <clears throat> but, you know, as time goes on, this wasn't the only comedy club I wanted. In fact, when I talked to the owner of the comedy club, because he's retiring, clearly retiring. You know, there's there's no question. When I look at buying anything, one of the first things I think of is, you know, why are they selling? You know, if it's making money, why are they selling? 
and this guy's in his 70s. He's clearly wanted to retire, retire with his wife, go do the Winnebago and grandkids thing. Fine. He's got more comedy clubs. And he asked me, he says, you want to buy them all? Actually, dude, yeah, I do. I really do. If you're telling me that this place is profitable and we can get it back to 2019 numbers, I will buy every fucking club you want. In fact, I'll buy every fucking club in the goddamn city. And I'll still keep it under the different names. Because that's the other thing you want to have in your back pocket if you can, at all possible. And I do this in the rental business as well. Um, if you can have, let's say you own an apartment building, right? And it's called Luxury Suites. And then you buy a different apartment building. And you call it, uh, I don't know, um, Johnson Apartment Buildings. Whatever the fuck it is, right? If you have those two apartment buildings, right, you can raise the rent in one. And then the tenant may go, man, I ain't paying that shit. I'll go over to this other one right here, and I'll just pay the rent there. Great. And then when they move over there, they don't know that you're they're paying the same person. And it's like that with business all around. There's a ton of companies out there that you may say, you know what, fuck this company. I don't like this company. I don't like the things that they're doing. I'm going to go to this other company. And it's owned by the same fucking company. Kraft, Nestle, even car companies like, you know, Ford, um, you know, GM, all these other companies, they own all these sub-companies. So same thing with comedy. I would love nothing more than to own all the comedy clubs in any particular city. I would love to own multiple clubs under different names and have different, you know, levels of comedian. So maybe there's one comedy club that's just for guys who are just starting out, just trying to get their feet wet, you know, and maybe some people who are starting to, you know, get some get some feet underneath them. They're starting to get some traction, you know, things like that. Um, and then have another one for like more mainstream comics. You know, maybe you see a. Uh, you know, a David Tell or maybe a Brian Regan or, you know, somebody like that. Somebody you would recognize, you know, if you saw them. And then, you know, depending on how big you get, maybe you start buying concert halls. You know, now you control comedy in that entire city. Not saying that you're going to use it for evil or anything like that. I'm just saying having the market cornered for whatever it is that you do is tremendously helpful. You can make it so that you're making money hand over fist regardless of the situation. I'll give you a perfect example. There's a place called Edgefield. It's out in the uh, little city outside of uh, Portland, Oregon um, called uh, uh, Troutdale. And this Edgefield place has multiple, multiple bars and restaurants. And they cater to everybody. They got a bar for the blue-collar people downstairs. They've got a mid-class restaurant for you know your regular run-of-the-mill people. They got a higher-end place for the hoity-toity folks. They've got bars all over the place. This is a campus. It used to be an insane asylum. Um, it's also got a hotel. It's got all these things. So their philosophy is: no matter what you want, come to me. I'll take care of you. Same thing with Walmart. You know, you need groceries, go to Walmart. You need a car battery? Go to Walmart. You need clothes? Go to Walmart. They know that no matter what you need, you're the one that's going to be paying it. And so this is kind of a culmination of all the things I've always enjoyed as a hobby 
but also dovetails into what I'm good at. So, and hopefully, you know, we get to a point where, you know, I do end up buying the comedy club. I do end up, you know, making it successful. I do end up having named comics on there. And I also have comics on there who are, who eventually become big name comics. I would love nothing more than to, you know, help propel the career of like the next Richard Pryor, Sam Kennison, um, Dave Attell, you know, Dave Chappelle, you know, big, big name comics who, you know, if somebody saw him in the street, they would go, oh my God, it's that guy, you know? So anyway, that was just something that I was, you know, been working on and thinking about and pondering for the last little bit. And, uh, you know, yeah. So I was talking a little bit earlier about my international listeners, and I gotta say, I'm honestly shocked. I'm, uh, I've got listeners quite literally all around the world. And at first, it was just you know friends and family. Hey, tell your friend, you know, tell your coworker, tell you, tell you, tell you, whatever. And I thought really nothing of it, right? And so I ended up looking on my uh, my podcast here, and I have quite literally. United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Sweden, Hungary, Malaysia, Israel, India, South Africa, Taiwan, Romania. I have Romania. I'm like, wow, how did you find me? You know, I mean, to be fair, you know, I advertise this podcast on, you know, Reddit and a few other places, you know, nothing special, just wherever you can kind of, you know, advertise a podcast for free. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know anybody in any of these countries. And yet they somehow found me, you know, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I love having a, a larger audience. In fact, there's a, I'm looking right here. It's uh, called Constance, Constanta in Romania. I'm like, wow, that's fucking great. You know, no idea how you found me, but you know what? Welcome, buddy. You know, and uh, I, I guess I, I've, I've got a global reach now. Hooray for me. You know, to be fair, I don't have a lot of listeners. You know, I mean, I've got a couple dozen at best, but. You know, having somebody, you know, listen to your podcast that, you know, is halfway around the world and may not even speak the language. That's the other thing that kind of blows my mind. How do I know that they speak English? They may not. They may just have a friend who does speak English and go, hey, listen to this fucking lunatic over here who's on the radio, you know. So it just kind of blows my mind on that, you know. And I've tried to keep my, I tried to keep my, uh, my, my podcast as, as pure, I guess, as possible. You know, I don't want there to be a billion commercials. I don't want there to be a, um, you know, a, hey, welcome to the podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by blah, 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 you know. And then, you know, that, I understand that's, you know, you make a couple of bucks, you know, and I'm fine with, you know, once, twice in a show. But pretty soon, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're doing a video podcast or whatever, and all of a sudden there's a Coca-Cola can or some shit like that. It's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. And I've seen this happen to the best of them. Now, to be fair, I can't blame a lot of these people. A lot of these people do podcasting just as a labor of love, and it's totally fine. And and, and be honest, you know, if somebody like McDonald's or, you know, somebody like that called me up and said, hey, man, we love your podcast. We'd love to help you out. We'd like to sponsor you. You know, here's a million bucks. It's hard to turn that down. It really is, you know. You know, to me, a million bucks is life-changing money. Honestly, you know, if you hand me a million dollars in cash right now, I could quit my full-time job. You know, I wouldn't have to work anymore. Honestly, you know, 
when you see, you know, news stories about like Joe Rogan gets a hundred million dollars, you know, wow, okay, great, you know, good for him, you know, you you toss a hundred million dollars my way, yeah, I'd probably make some of the same decisions he did. Although, one thing that is truly critical in some of these things is audience trust, and you know, I'll, I'll go a little bit on soapbox on this. I think he's lost a little bit of that. And the reason why I say that is when he went over to Spotify, he brought all of his shows, <coughs> with the exception of about 10. And they got, you know, these random bullshit excuses as to why. And at first it was like, oh, it's a glitch. Okay, fine. And it just seemed to hit right-wing type of people, type of guests. And then it was another excuse, another excuse, another excuse. Well, then... He comes out and he let it slip that, well, you know, Spotify said they don't want these particular episodes on their platform. And he just kind of went, okay, whatever. And it's like, dude, don't, don't fucking lie to the audience. The audience isn't stupid. You know, if I told you, hey, I've got thousand episodes and I'm going to put them all up on a particular service and nine of them don't come across, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, dude, listen, I tossed them up there. They didn't want them up there. You can find them over on YouTube. You can find them over here. You can, you know, whatever. Don't bullshit people. People are fucking smart. They'll figure it out. You know, I mean, same thing here, you know. You see politicians and business leaders and all these weasel fucking people. They try to bullshit people. And it's hilarious because old school business leaders and politicians, they're used to the old ways of doing things. They're not used to the interconnected world. They're not used to being able to pull any bit of information they want out of their fucking fingertips. So a lie 20, 30 years ago used to be able to just spit it out, let it simmer, and then walk on. And then if you didn't talk about it, it just never happened. Unless it was a big, major, national scandal kind of thing, you know. It just went away. And now people have access to all the world's information at their fingertips. So there are a lot more informed about whatever the hell it is you're doing. So when you say, hey man, you know, uh, there was a technical glitch, there was this, that, and the other, people aren't going to buy that bullshit. So you got to be honest with the audience. you got to be honest with the people that you're talking to. Just like with you guys. I tell a shit ton of stories. Horrible fucking things I've done over my lifetime. Some things I'm proud of. Some things I kind of was like, eh, maybe I should have done that differently, whatever, you know. I literally have fucked 300 women. That's not a bullshit statistic. That is a 100% truthful statement. I have fucked over 300 women. Don't care. I'm being open and honest with my audience. You know, you guys have questions about, you know, when I talk about my swinging days, you have, you know, I'd be going out with girls left and right. I mean, after my, my divorce, I was like, I'm going to use women like shake and bake bags. I'm just going to go up to them and say, listen, I don't want to get to know you as a person. I don't care about anything. I want to fuck. I want to get in your panties. I want to make it come. And I want to go home. Now, that said, let's have some base rules. Okay? If you come up with a guy that you meet and you go, Hey, man, I think there's going to be a relationship here and you want me to back off. Cool. No problem. You get all the benefits of having a boyfriend without all the boyfriend responsibilities. Right? We can go out from time to time, grab a drink, bullshit, have a good time, whatever. You know, but then eventually at the end of the evening, I want in your pants. All right. So that's what I did for years on end. I would go out and I would say, listen, you know, 
I want to be able to do all these fun things. And you'd be amazed. You would be fucking amazed at how many women would say, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Because they have shit to do too. They have kids. They have jobs. They have responsibilities. They have all these other things. And sometimes a woman just wants to get fucked. Wants her hair pulled, her ass spanked, and her pussy filled. That's all she wants. And I was, at the time, more than happy to fulfill that desire, you know? I'm not saying I was the best-looking dude. I'm not saying I was the in the best shape or anything like that. But I had confidence. I was able to talk to a girl. I was able to, you know, I was going to the gym. I was in really, really good shape at the time. I wasn't saying that I was cut or anything like that. I was more kind of like powerlifting kind of uh, shape. But it was just something that I just enjoyed. It wasn't hurting anybody. So, you know, having that honesty and having that ability to just say whatever the fuck is on my mind really is, uh, you know, kind of a, a core thing about this show. I want you to all know that when I talk about shit on here, I'm telling you shit that's really happened. I'm telling you shit that's really gone down, you know. You know, I might change a, 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 a detail here or there, very minor, to kind of protect the innocent, so to speak. But for the most part, what you're hearing is shit that's happened, you know. I've had times where I've pulled people out of, you know, burning cars. I've had times where I've been, you know, in fights. I've had times where I've, you know, had really good things happen, really bad things happen, whatever, you know. But at the end of the fucking day, you know, these are just fun little things about how guys talk on the back end. And that's why I kind of named it How Men Talk. You know, I'm, uh... I've always been the kind of person that would just say whatever the fuck is on his mind and who gives a fuck about the consequences. And lately, I've been seeing a lot of people get really cancel culture-y on everybody. They want to run off and tell somebody, hey, you know, I got a problem. Should I report it to the police? It's like, dude, it's a fucking noise complaint. Just go over to your neighbor's back. Hey, dude, I got a sleeping baby. Can you turn it down a little bit? That was a fucking spine, man. You know, I mean... Come on, man. What, what the fuck happened to the men around here, you know? used to be a time that, you know, if you had a disagreement with somebody, you fucking sh- pop them in the mouth and everybody kind of shake hands and go about their merry little way. Everybody's that little tattletale little bitch. And you want to sit there and go, wait a fucking minute here, you know? Who the fuck raised you? Your father failed you, you know? You, do you know how to change a tire? Do you know how to ask a woman out? Do you know how to... You know, do you know change oil in your car? Do you know how to do any fucking things that it is to be a man? What the fuck is wrong with you? You know? In fact, that's how I got, uh, you know, the girl from the Middle East, you know? She came down, and uh, admittedly I've told this before, but she came down, she was at college, I came in, held the door open for her, we're bullshit, whatever, and I even asked her afterwards, I'm like, what the fuck are you going out with me for, right? You know, she's like, because I want a man. You know, I, I want a guy with a fucking guy, you know? A guy who's... You know, rough around the edges, who's got big hands, strong arms, big chest, you know, shoulders. Guy, you know, fucking man. And, you know, you look around and you see a guy who, you know, you painted nails and, you know, stiff breeze might knock him over. And it's, you know, it's one thing, you know, if he's, that's just the way he is. But don't be a bitch about it. You know, don't just sit there and just go, you know, I need to, I need to talk to somebody about my therapist. And then I need to go talk to the campus police because somebody hurt my feelings and it's like come on don't you know it's, it's one thing to be soft but don't be a bitch you're like come on man you know and every woman listening right now every woman is nodding their head listening to this fucking station they're thinking oh my god he's absolutely right i want a man 
A woman doesn't want to walk with you down the fucking street and think that she is the protector of you two. She wants to know that if a guy comes out of the fucking alley, that you're going to handle it. Doesn't necessarily mean that you got to be the biggest, strongest motherfucker out there, but she wants to feel safe with you. All right? So stop being a little bitch. All right? Help me out here. And on top of all this, I had a, I have a, uh, to, you know, shift gears here a little bit. I get a fucking uh, buzz from my old lady. She's like, hey, we got to replace the fucking air conditioning unit. I'm like, God damn it. Fuck, all right, air conditioning unit. How much could that fucking be, right? I'm thinking, all right, I've replaced air conditioning units before. It'd be about three grand. Nope, $6,100. Motherfucker. God damn it, $6,100. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know anything about air conditioning units. Not a goddamn thing. I know a lot of things about a lot of things. Air conditioning units, I'm like, oh pay it goddamn just gotta fucking pay it so and then of course again today you know my old lady she wanted me okay i'll backtrack a little bit my old lady she wanted a sun sail for our boy when he was very very little i'm talking like two and he had a little sandbox out back and blah 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 and she wanted the sun sail out there so that way he could play out there and not get the sun just beating down on him Okay, well, the shit she was showing me was, like, bolted to the wall, and, you know, it looked all ghetto and shit, and, like, nah, you know, I might be like a white trash piece of shit, but I don't want to look like a white trash piece of shit, you know? So, she says, well, what we should do is we should get these spikes, basically a post holder, you gotta shove them into the fucking ground, you bolt the post in, you're out the door. I'm like, eh, I don't like that idea either, but fine, whatever, you know? Just because, you know, she sucks my dick. Of course I'm going to do shit she says, right? So we put it all up, blah, blah, blah. And fast forward, he doesn't like that it's set up anymore. He's off playing, doing, you know, standard, you know, fucking five-year-old bullshit, right? So she says, we got to get these posts out, right? Undo the bolts, pull the four-by-fours out. And now I've got these spikes. These spikes are literally like two and a half fucking feet long. They are buried into the ground, and they are in there good. I had to put them in with a fucking sledgehammer, so... I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to have to get these fucking things out. So I was digging, 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 and it just was not going well. It was just fucking backbreaking work. I'm like, you know what? There's got to be better ways. So looked around. I didn't have one. I got to buy one. But uh, neighbor had a car jack. So I'm like, I got an idea. Wrap a chain around it. Wrap a chain around the fucking uh, uh, the floor jack. Jack it up. Pulls it right out of the fucking ground. Like, All right, great. But I'm, it's hot as fuck out today. It's like 80 degrees. So I got the sun beating down on me. Got my old lady, you know, helping me out here and there. And we're trying to pull these fucking things out of the goddamn ground. And holy shit. These things are in there fucking good. I mean, I, I, I like to do a solid job when it comes to my house. But fuck, man. These things were going nowhere. No. <laughs> pull these fucking things out. Get them all out. And I'm like, all right, cool. Day's about to be ended. You know, the, you know we're, we're in a good spot. You know, the boy is about to go to sleep. I'm like, all right, let's get some pussy, all right? Let's have some fun, right? You know? So I text her. I'm like, hey, listen, I'd like to get a blowjob, maybe you finger yourself while uh, while we're doing it. You know, that'd be fun, right? That's just my little perversion, right? I like to watch a girl finger herself, right? You know, fine. Ooh, such a, such a perverted guy, right? And if a girl's blowing me, even better. Then it's like a double action kind of thing, right? And on top of that, she makes herself come, and then when she makes herself come, girls get all super excited and super slutty. 
So when she's coming, she's like, oh, I'm going to suck his dick even better. So she gets all super excited. I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to do that shit, right? So I text her that. Because, you know, I don't want to sit there and just, like, announce that shit, like, when she's putting the boy to sleep. Hey, get my dick sucked. Finger yourself. This will be fun. Ah, you know, I'm really tired. And, you know, we had a long day pulling them fucking posts up. Like, God, fucking damn it. She says, how about tomorrow? All right, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Goddamn, fine. But in the back of my head, I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, sometimes I just want to tire up, tire to something throw a vibrator on her pussy, make her come until I'm done making her come, which, you know, I'm a bit of a psychopath. I like, you know, just like seeing how much I can just torture her, you know, make her come a million times, shove my dick in her mouth, smack her around a little bit on, on with my dick on her face, just because I'm a romantic kind of guy and, you know, come, maybe I untie her, I don't know, and then go to sleep. <laughs> ah, you know. So, all right, I'm going to end the show on this one fun joke that I got reminded of by our late great friend, John Fox. Guy's in with a girl, and they're fucking, and all of a sudden, they hear a car door, and uh, the uh, the woman says, oh my God, my husband's home. You got to get, you got to get out of here. You got to hide. You got to do something. So he's like, okay, okay. So he gets up, and he grabs his clothes, and he... He's looking around. He can't jump out the window because they're too too high up. He's like, oh, shit, what do I do? So she runs into the closet. So he runs into the closet with his clothes and everything. And inside, standing there, is her son. And he looks at the guy, and the guy looks at him. He says, it's kind of dark in here. He says, yeah, yeah, it is. He says, so, uh, you know, uh, I could scream, and my dad will come in here, and he'll kill you. He goes, okay. He says, I prefer you wouldn't. He says, well, 50 bucks. He's like, what? He says, I'll scream. 50 bucks. He's like, God damn it. All right, here you go. Here's 50 bucks. So he gives him 50 bucks. Kid doesn't say anything. Husband leaves. He gets out. He goes home. All of a sudden, a little while later, kid's at the church with his mom. He goes into the confessional, looks at the priest and says, sure is dark in here. The priest says, don't start that shit again. <laughs> All right. So next week, um, uh, I got one particular guest who's going to be coming back. I got another guest who might be joining us, not sure. And uh, brother down in Arizona, if you do hear this, come on aboard, man. Love to hear from you. All right. You all have a good night now.